Okay. So this is the um, the next stage of UKSFP uh, podcasting with me, Barry Goldson, and today I've got the privilege of interviewing uh, Laura Dana and Luke from uh, DBIT in Essex. So, firstly, and this is over Skype, so this is the first time we're doing this. So, firstly, guys, can you tell me a little bit about your service? Of course. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we work for DBIT in Essex, which is part of our children's social care. It's an edge of care team um, working across children, families, social care in Essex, across the whole of Essex. Uh, and we work using solution focused um, in a whole family kind of setting where there's been kind of relationship breakdown or, um, or kind of issues in families or risk that a child might enter the care system or kind of be at risk of entering care. And we work with kind of the whole family around kind of really their best hopes from working with us in with the kind of hope that things can, where it's safe, where things can be kind of good and right for the child and, or children to remain living with their families. Okay. I'm especially interested in this and I, I specifically wanted to interview you first because seeing your work, going to your workshop at the, the UKSFP conference in Bath, um, I found it very inspiring that your whole team was working in this way and it's quite close to the work that I do with young people trying to help them stay at, uh, in, a, in a homelessness service, trying to stay to help them stay with their families. So it's the sort of way that I want things to go. And um, my first question really is how, how, how did it come about that your service um, worked in a solution focused way? Well, um, the higher management within Essex um, were looking at, um, I think initially was looking at a reactive episode of, of care for teenagers and you know because of family difficulties at some point in time they will come into care for a very short period of time and then they'll return home so the thinking was why can we just put something in place to help these families not to have to go through the care episode and just resolve whatever difficulties they have and kids may stay at home so um, it got from there it was an idea to try um, a project and see how it goes um, but there's been a lot of research that the senior managers that have started this project have done in terms of what approach to go with how what kind of methodology to implement um, for a short-term brief intervention um, with families and young people so they looked at solution focus they decided that there would be the approach that they would go with and then it kind of evolved from there, you know, it started as a project yeah. and it was successful, things so were working way, well. So in a way it came from the top. The, yes. The, the, yes. It came from senior managers who, who became interested in the approach and wanted to try it out, see if it would work with it in, in, in this setting. Yeah, That's quite I, think that, I think it goes all the way back to they had a, a kind of, I guess, a fairly important, when you look back at it now, um, meeting with the guys from Brief, with Harvey Ratner from Brief, um, and I guess that's what sparked the greater understanding of the approach and kind of thinking this is worth a try. And then as the as the kind of project started back then, um, it, it started with a lot of training from brief. And I think it kind of obviously has, has accelerated from there. So I guess whatever that first meeting was with Harvey um, sealed it. And that was what we were going to go with. And so they committed to go down, going down that path wholeheartedly. Yes. Yes. And I think, I, mean, I think that the, what was nice, whenever that decision was made, was the thought to commit to it and commit to it in its 
in its kind of on its own. So not to try and fill it with lots of different other approaches, all of which work really well. It was to commit to one um, and that one was solution focused. So we've always kept that kind of focus on we're going to do one really well. Um, and that thing is solution focused. And we kind of built that up over the years. And it is proven to kind of pay off that we stuck to one. And we're pretty lucky that it was this one. Great. Okay, so my my second question is about what challenges you had to overcome within the local authority or within the team to make the service solution focused. And you've kind of answered that already because um, the team was solution focused from the start. But how about within the local authority? And what, what sort of challenges have you had to overcome? Well, if I remember from the beginning, I think it was that there were some challenges with the staff that we've employed in the project to work with Solution Focus because they all came from uh, other social work teams, you know, dealing mainly with safeguarding issues, risk, you know, child protection procedures and all of that. So everybody was like, oh, Solution Focus, this is not going to work, not in safeguarding, you know. I was one of them back then saying the same things. Um, but I guess with patience and a lot of training that was put into it for us, and giving us the time to try the approach and see how it works and for us to actually see it work very quickly i think that has kind of sealed it and people have become interested and motivated and and they've been supported all the way to to manage that so that was one of the the, the challenges that we have within the service i guess in terms of the uh, the local authority yeah i guess it's it's always, I think there's a regular, and things change as time has gone. I think, yeah, very early on, there was a challenge for staff to learn something new and and um, almost unlearn some things and kind of think slightly differently, shift people's perspectives away from, um, away from kind of focusing on solving a problem towards kind of exploring what life might look like if things were different. And that's a, that was a shift for a lot of people. And I think so maybe that I think the support from the, from like, service managers and people that this is what we're doing and this is what we're going to stick with helped. And I guess over time, we all as workers became more confident and kind of were having those successes with the approach and with the work. And that spreads across the kind of local authority to, to I guess, see that this is a thing that's valuable. It's, it's, it's one, it's improving the outcomes for children as the main thing and kind of improving children's lives. More children are staying, living with their families. Um, and that comes from the approach we use, which we could consistently say is, solution focused and is getting better and better so and kind of to the point now where actually across Essex it celebrated the approach and it's in various different things and we're able to do training from DBIT to other parts of the organization so I think I guess it's a time thing I we always talk about in the teams and in, in supervision and things for new members and people new to the approach one of the things that's so powerful is when they see it work and they see it working for a family or a young person at the, at the question conversation, you see someone coming to life or their hope reigniting or whatever it is. And I guess that's the same when you like expand it up to a much bigger size. You then, it, in an organization, when an organization sees something work, they can't really avoid looking at it. And I think that that tends to be the same. I guess if I, if I may add, um, at the beginning, it was a bit like, oh, but, um, you know, how do you deal with risk and how do you do this and how do you do that? And also like, there was this pressure from the organization and from the referring teams that you, you have to deal with this and you have to do this and you have to do this in this way where we had to stick to our guns and say, no, actually, this is the way we work and this is how we do things. And we had to kind of hold that tension and the, the pressure that was put on us to do other things as well and on top of, of the remit that we've established for our service. 
And in time, I guess the, our partners and the other teams that we work with have seen that actually what we're doing is working. So now we don't get that pressure anymore. There is no much, not much tension. Actually, mm. there's no tension these days. They no. just come to us even for consultation, like a solution focus consultation where I have this case. What do you think I could do? Give me some solution focus ideas, things like that. So yeah. it's different. It's much different. But we are seven years and a half on. Yeah. And, then the, and a great understanding from staff to understand um, how well solution focus works alongside any level of risk safeguarding otherwise whilst also we know that kind of you have to deal with immediate safety but solution focus is wonderful with working with people in a whole range of scenarios from very very high risk situations to to different ones and I think um, that's also recognized and it, and it comes with workers confidence in, in using the approach as well and skill and training so it sounds it sounds amazing I'm bound to ask you because you because you um, mentioned that maybe you know you came from the skeptical background in the first place you know the concern about risk or whatever can you remember any kind of stories which made a difference for you in terms of you starting to see the approach work oh it's, it's a long time ago Barry but <laughs> but I remember I remember I was astonished when um, I, I was doing the diploma with brief at the time and I had a case and it was such an impossible um, situation that it seemed to everyone that things will ever change and, and, and things like that. And with a lot of history of sort of social, social care involvement with the family. Um, and I remember asking the best hopes question from it was a father and, and his son. And um, um, the father looked at me and she's like, he was like, um, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, if you if this work that we're going to be doing together would be useful. How would you know? And then he had to think for a bit and then he came up with something what he said, I don't remember exactly. But from that question, the work that I've done with his father was so different. And I was like, God, <laughs> this really works, you know, like, and then of course we, we continue with more sessions and things like that. And that was a case where actually the outcome was so unexpected for everyone that ever worked with that case. And it was so positive that after that case, I, I, I didn't need anybody to tell me anything about solution focus because I was convinced by seeing it work in a case where nobody thought that any posi posi positive outcome would be possible. So, yeah, that convinced me back then. Okay, good story. And just kind of expanding on that, what, what would you say works particularly well about solution focus in helping young people stay with families? I think you, I think it's, it's the obvious things about why Solution Focus works so well and why it's so brilliant. And I think it starts with asking people their best hopes. I think it's so simple. And obviously, best hopes is, is seen, I guess, in principle, seems like quite a simple idea. I know in practice, it's maybe more tricky. And I think, and it can be more tricky when you've got a family full of people, including, and everybody all at the same time, mum, dad, son, siblings, everybody. Yet still that moment when you arrive and the very first thing I would ask someone when I meet them, regardless of the, of the things that have gone on, is what are your best hopes from working with us, is an instantly powerful um, energizer for people to picture where they want to get to, which acknowledges still that there is things that have led them to the point where we're sat facing each other and still invites them to think there is something else they might want to move towards. Mm. And then I think, and we hugely kind of work with the kind of, approach and the principle the brief kind of have taught us of within that first session we would have asked them their best hopes ask the whole family their best hopes and begun that powerful descriptive process and for a family to describe 
what life might look like together in relationships and interactions and kind of different perspectives when things are more like how they want them to be pretty much instantly shifts everything. So I think it couldn't be better suited to something like um, whole families and in difficult times and crisis or in relationship issues and kind of all that sort of thing, because you arrive at a point and almost as kind of practitioners, we slow everybody down to being, okay, so, and if this works, how would you know? And then it changes it shifts that attention straight onto, and and it, as as you'd expect with that conversation, it reminds people exactly of the things that they were doing not so long ago that were really working. Without you having to pay too much attention to that, they do that anyway. So it it, it just seems to fit so nicely, which I guess you could say for lots of. And it develops hope, I think, because you're you know they know that you know why you're there because you've received the referral where it says what the problems are and everything that's been going wrong, um, and they know you know that more or less, um, but you don't go there to ask about why it's like this and how did you get here and all that stuff, which could be useful, but we don't do it. And, and we talk about possibilities and that sense of, I talk about possibilities with you because I think it is possible. And I do have the belief that you know best what is good for you and, and how you can get there. And I guess the belief that we have in them coupled with this sense of hope that we help them reconnect with, it's what works. And yes, it is an approach that has some techniques to help us do that. And that really, really works, I think. So since um, since seeing you at the conference in July, I, I picked up one of your little um, books. of um, I think it's a collection of um, blog stories. And, yeah. it, and it, I've been uh, dipping into it at my lunch times at work and, and um, sharing it with some of my colleagues or whatever. And there's some great stories in the book. And it's really an honest kind of reflection of the journey that some of the staff there have been on. I wonder if there's any that spring to mind which are as favourites of either of yours. I think there's there's such a mix in there, which I think why it's such a it was such a privileged thing to do. So when, when you said about journeys, one of the things that uh, without going into details of it, just the title in that one of the members of staff wrote, "Have I joined a cult?" was, okay. was the title of one. <laughs> and I think that was from her first experience of kind of a the whole of the DBIT service from all the parts of Essex were meeting together and we were having a solution-focused training. And I think they thought, what are all these, um, I think one of the sentences in there is something like, what are all these social workers looking so happy about? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's a wonderful um, depiction of kind of learning and, and, then, and then seeing it work and seeing the experience of it work. And I think actually there's so many throughout there that show kind of people of all different parts and journeys and points in their kind of learning yet have those moments where they see it work or something clicks or they pick up something from I think there's another really little one in there where um somebody had read a previous blog about um using inanimate objects in their description and then her next session she went and she'd spoken with a parent who didn't see anybody and leave the house and she asked what the tv would notice looking back at her Oh, yeah. Opened up the conversation. And I think stuff like that, to read somebody else's piece of writing and be inspired by the music. On the PlayStation as well, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The different ways you can use it. Yeah. So I think that's a couple of ones that show the journey anyway. I mean, I've got there's some in there that I think are some of the most powerful things I've read about just people's belief and hope in, in yeah. the person they're meeting and stuff. But I think journey wise, there's some really good ones to show people start at different points and wrote about it. Yeah, and um, and they're all based on on their own on the staff's experience with different bits of practice that they do in different sessions or 
work with a different client from beginning to end. So it's, it's quite a lot. My, my favorite one is the last one in the book, really, uh, where the worker speaks about a crisis point where the grandmother, I think, it, it calls, she calls her and say, oh, we're in crisis, I don't know what to do. And, and then she doesn't offer to go and see her. She just asks Solution Folks questions. So how would you know that this will work? I don't remember exactly how it's formulated, but it's, it shows the power on, of her belief in that grandmother being able to manage the situation and move on and then going to see her as planned three days later or something like that. So yeah. don't jump out and go to see the family because you are the expert and you can sort it all out for them. Instead, you, you, know, you allow them to, to find the resource that they, they have mm -hmm. to manage in the yeah. best way they can and, and you believe that they can do it and then they do it. And I think the book really speaks to the kind of the assumptions and principles of solution focused. And I think that is largely what I think we try to embed in what the work we do as well. There's obviously there's questions and there's um, processes to learn in solution focused. Yeah, I think what embeds that makes something work and that spreads around the team and organization is the, the principles of why we do what we do and how we see people and how what we think about people. And I think the book speaks to a lot of that in that belief in someone in that um yeah, the idea of hope and how, how much hope you can spread with very few little things, even if it's just a question you reply on a phone call, emits that hope that makes a difference. And I think that you, you do quite a lot of joint paired working and quite a lot of solution-focused supervision and, 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 and reflection-type meetings. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Well, most um, every case that we ever work is has two workers allocated to it, and and that has been like that from the beginning because we we're working with the family for a short period of time. We want to ensure continuity, and also it helps with new workers joining the team learning quicker the approach because they'll have an opportunity to watch somebody do it, not just learn about it in a in a classroom. Um, so. Most cases are done like that, you know, if one of the workers is off one day, that's not a problem. The other one will still go ahead with the sessions. The family knows them already. So it works like that um, in terms of support. And also it helps the workers debrief after sessions, you know, ask each other questions about you asked that question in that way. What was the thinking behind that? And, and that's a learning process in itself as well, as well as appreciation of each other's work as well, because, you know, you get inspired by your colleagues the same way as you get inspired by the families you work with. Um, and then we have um, support for workers in the team, you know, in terms of if you want to be able to use this approach on others, it would be a good idea to experience it on, your, on yourself as well. So we use it in supervision. We have, we use the reflective, a solution focused reflective team um, for case discussions. We do co-coaching with each other, you know, also an opportunity to practice the yeah. approach, but also to be helped in, in your, I don't know, growth as a professional or... And we do um, sparkling moments in team meetings. So that's something that somebody brought back um, from, I think, from brief maybe one time, um, which actually has really developed to be something that actually is a huge bit of practice as well as, so it would be sharing something from your recent practice that, that has been a sparkling moment for you. But then it doesn't end there in, in the, the rest of the team then get an opportunity to ask you some questions to really invite you to think about what it is that, that led to you being able to do that practice, what it says about you, how you're able to do it, what that says about you as a practitioner, what you hope that would lead to in your practice ongoing. And what that's kind of grown to is a bit of a monster in a sense in that we get stuck in team meetings for ages with people asking question after question to invite more and more. And 
you kind of think you come to an end and someone else has got another wonderful question to ask the person to invite them to think about their practice. So, for example, this morning we had team meeting and we, we didn't get anything else done really because we were so long going around each person's practice that we question up. And that, again, helps people to learn. There's a, there's a kind of an energy about learning the questions and approach and a safe place to do that that really helps. And, and it makes a difference. People talk about how much of a difference as a worker it makes being asked these questions of yourself and it helps you to develop and see and shift your attention so it kind of ticks every box and but it does but it does make a difference i guess through through sparkling moments i realized for the first time that you know some questions need a bit of time to think so the importance of silence and solution focus you know you allow the client to think you, you don't rescue them because they didn't answer in the first 20 seconds of of you asking the question so it's, it's important. So you learn different things like that. You learn how it feels for you to be asked a, a different question and uh, you might need to think. Um, and also that th thinking time for the client is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because that they're accessing something that is not reactive, you know, mm. in their thinking. So it's a very, very good, um, yes, yeah. it takes time. And sometimes you think, oh, God, we have so much to cover in the team meeting. But I think it's important that we, we allow that time. And I think it's good for practitioners because initially they might feel a bit, oh, God, I don't, I don't want to big myself up I don't want to be you know boast about my practice but I think in a way it's it's it shows appreciation to their practice and it's a nice compliment you know people being curious and asking solution box questions about how they manage their, their bit of practice in that way and mm -hmm. that say about them as practitioners so you notice you have you notice that in, in staff retention have you got good staff retention we tend to do yeah uh, if people go they go because they are promoted to some bigger things but <laughs> not we don't we don't tend to lose a lot of people out of DBIT really they no, just if they move around within DBIT sometimes they yeah move areas or move areas. to different positions but yeah lots of people stay and enjoy the work and, or, or if they do leave they go on to do things maybe outside of kind of social care to, to do more of the, this type of practice and, and things so that's another good thing for and, and how, how, how do you Make manage risk. How do you help make sure that the families you're working with are safe using this approach? I think we we maintain that we are part of an organisation where that's important, and, and for lots of us, that is still our duty of care, and that's where and that's where we know we're at. So, I think if anything, we've developed an approach to being able to work in this area that is like almost a new version of solution focus. We use it very kind of in its essence, and still work alongside what we need to because we're part of a safeguarding organisation. So. We're clear on things that we need to do and we might have to do that is about safeguarding. So in an imminent risk or immediate safety, we can all comfortably and capably deal with those things. But I think what we've developed is a confidence in ourselves and our support networks and our approach that we can hold a little bit of risk and we can keep going with what we know works, which is the approach that we've been trained really well to do. So there's an element of kind of I think Essex talk a lot about um, safe uncertainty and kind of holding a an element of risk because you can't ever achieve total safety and all that and be so certain. And, and that, so in that sense, we do the same in that to, if something over goes over the line, we know that we what we need to do and kind of steps we can take and um, things we need to do. Though in lots of cases, we, we sit with an element of risk because we know that what we are there to do is be the best version of ourselves in terms of solution-focused practitioners with that family and us sticking to what we know really well and sticking with our belief and kind of their ability to make change and do things that work for them is what they really need in that situation, not us to um, 
try and search for that kind of safe certainty that might not be possible. So I think we do a good mix of both. And I think we've got like the support and kind of work alongside our colleagues in um, the teams to achieve kind of that collaborative working and things. But it comes from an element of working within that kind of safe uncertainty and sticking to actually the best we can be is by doing the best version of the solution focus work we're there to do. And that's what is there to achieve change. And so we kind of stick with that. I guess that the risk is not just um, held within DBIT. We work with our partner agencies and, you know, but I think even in that, by by having our, by sharing our belief and our sense of hope for, for each family kind of influences the, the network of professionals around the, the child and around the family. And I think that helps um, actually managing the risk a little bit better because if the risk is not imminent then we always hope that there is a possibility for change and for better and if the family gets that same message from everyone within the network then they're more likely to to move in that way because they will feel safer to make changes yeah i think what's been what's been really good in from the beginning with dbit in terms of being committed to the approach we've also been committed to in terms of working with children to remain living at home is the key is remain living at home where it's safe to do so so i think sue our service manager would always say that it's not aiming to be 100% of those ch of children stay living at home because there is always going to be children where, and we would contribute to that um, decision or idea that actually some children may need to um, come into care or for their safety to actually need to be taken. And I think we're very comfortable with that and aware that that's also the case. And sometimes that is the right thing for some children. I think we then don't stop thinking there and we look at, does it is there then work to be done for them to be able to return home either relatively soon or... On a, in a longer term, we kind of look at, have work where after a period of time, work might be done for them to be kind of reunified home. So we never stop the thought once action might be taken, but equally we're quite happy to need to take that if we have to do, because that's right for some children. And, and kind of drawing toward, towards the end of, of this, um, what, what advice might you have? What might you say to somebody who is maybe a solution-focused practitioner who, who worked in a service that, that they might like to become more solution focused. It could be somebody, for example, who might be working within a homelessness service who, <laughs> um, who, who is trying to help young people to, to stay at home where it where it's safe. And there and, and there are use of certain bits of solution focus within that and we use signs of safety, etc. But it's seen as one of, of as of many, many tools. How how any 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 thoughts on that? I guess what worked for us was having regular training with with people that can do good quality training and that for us has always been brief. Um, I think also we've we've done more than just work using SF with um, families and, and the clients that we work with. So we've brought solution focus within the team for, so for us to experience how that feels like. Um, and and also for us to, to have a safe space to practice our skills, because sometimes you might not feel that with a certain client, you weren't able to ask the questions because you had to deal with something else. But when you're in a safe environment with your colleague and they present with the same kind of situation, you can experiment, you can feel more free to, to you know, to, to build your skills, basically. So I think by bringing, bringing it within the team and having it all around us all the time, that helps a lot in terms of building building the expertise and also feeling more confident to do it more. And I, th I think um, for me, I guess um, the thing that springs to mind is just is just to do it as much as you can do it and do it often. And there's and there's kind of an element of like do it and show it off. 
And because I think for me, sometimes when I'm thinking about helping other people kind of develop and support them and people that arrive, one of the best things is to like see someone else really showing it off and showing how well it works. And it makes people want to see that. What is that thing that's happening over there? How is that person having so many good sessions? How are they, what are they doing where they're having such good relationships in a very short period of time that achieve change and then they stop meeting with that person? So I guess I, my feeling would be like, show it off, show off how wonderful it is by doing the, the simple things that are solution focused and, and that belief in, and hope in people people and, and show off that hope when you're talking about the people you work with when you're um, talking about the sessions you work with and it's kind of an infectious thing and I think it's very very difficult for people and organizations and services and people to not go what is happening there I want a piece of that so I think that's my that would be my thought okay great and finally one last thing that so this this podcast will go out to the solution focus community but um, hopefully it also can go out to people who know very little about their approach. Anything that you'd like to say to people who really um, are quite new to this, that, that you know, something, something brief, which, I mean, you've said quite a lot, really, which might uh, attract people and make people more interested, but any one more thing that you might think of? Put you on the spot here, haven't I? Yeah. It's hard to Hit say one thing, thing about social <laughs> I think, um, for me, it's an opportunity to if anyone has the, 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 the relative belief in people and humanity and that change is possible, it's a really, really, really good opportunity to add some things that can help you as a vehicle to show that and to impact on someone's life and that it can happen in a very, very, very short period of time. It could happen if you can just learn one or two questions and then your own belief in humanity and people can be taken on by those questions. So I would say if that's, even part of what your thought is about things that it's worth having a look, picking up, searching on Twitter, reading a book, and it can kind of change everything. Thank and you. I guess it's for me, it's it it um, it considers the humanity of the other person, and and it it helps you do that. And if you're working with people and you're working in a helping profession, I think that's why you're going into that profession because you are passionate about the humanity of others. And this approach really helps you to work with that in the right way, I think. Thank you very much, Luke and Laura Dana, for <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Thank you.